Welcome to The Crumb, a podcast by Bake From Scratch. I'm your host, Brian Hart Hoffman, and I'm here to talk all about baking, the people, the culture, and the baked goods that make us run to preheat our ovens. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to The Crumb. Today's episode is a good one. I think all the episodes are good ones, but... Today, I am so excited to have one of my friends, Laura Cortez, joining us. And not only is she a super talented baker, she has a beautiful Instagram and website. You can find Chubby Kitchen and all of the information in the description for today's episode so that you can check out her beautiful baking and what we're going to discuss in today's episode. She has a full-time career outside of the kitchen. And she loves baking so much that she goes home at night and bakes her way through cookbooks. Now, I'm not going to give too much of this information away because I want you to tune in for this chat. And it is really interesting when you hear about her process. She takes beautiful food photos. She guides you through baking and she will leave your mouth watering. Let's turn in to today's episode with Laura Cortez where you're going to start buying cookbooks like crazy. I can guarantee it. Hello, Laura, and welcome to The Crumb, finally. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. Oh, I love whenever you and I get to talk. We've traveled the world together. We've baked together. We talk about more than baking, but I just love being your friend. And and now to have you on the podcast to talk about this amazing baking journey that you have put yourself on and... I, I can't wait to get into the details with everyone about your your Instagram, your website, the way you really have become a modern day cookbook reviewer, but not just reviewing cookbooks. You put your hands in the pans and make you you make so many things that it it blows my mind. And we're going to talk about that process in a minute. But before we get into all of that, take us back to young Laura. Where did she learn to bake? What what got your interest going in baking? And and you come into the the kitchen with a a very international perspective. And I'm going to let you talk about that because your your childhood and growing up um, in in other countries, and then also coming to the U.S. I just want to I want that all to come into our conversation about what makes you so special and your love for baking. Thank you so much. Yeah. Um, I started baking when I was little. I was born in Ecuador. That's where my mom is from. Um, My dad was from Spain and uh, he was a diplomat for the United Nations. So I've lived in five countries, but until seven years old, I lived in Ecuador and my mom had a cake decorating business. So I watched her bake a lot and do a lot of very amazing things with sugar and um, all kinds of uh, techniques. Uh, So she taught me the basics of baking, like how to measure flour and just, you know, how to separate eggs and things like that. So I kind of um, started there in terms of just having an interest for it. Um, I think what really got me into it is because I love food. (laughs) So I love food and that combined with, you know, cooking and knowing how to bake that just kind of pushed me more into wanting to do more things over the years. And then uh, with the traveling, you know, everywhere I go, everywhere I've lived, 
there's things I like to eat, there's things I like to, you know, with this mindset of like, have going to another place or not knowing where I'm going to live in the future. I always had this thing about, I want to know how to make this when I am somewhere else. Yeah, <laughs> There's something about not not, you know, not being able to access a specific type of food when you leave a place. So um, I I have this thing about that. And so whenever I I like something, I'm really interested in learning how to do it on my own for my own interest, but also so that I can satisfy a craving when it comes. <laughs> you know, so you and I have never, we've never talked about this specifically in the way you just said that, because that's exactly my connection to baking also, but in a whole different series of events. But when I was a flight attendant, it was the same exact mm-hmm. thing. I, I, would, I would eat something when I was traveling. I knew that I couldn't access it back home. I wanted to learn how to make it. So it drove that. That was the aha mm-hmm. moment for me. And I never knew that yeah. that was your aha moment to connect the, yeah. <laughs> the learning from when you were a child, which we all absorb things from our surrounding mm-hmm. influences, whether it's your parents or school or other things, mm-hmm. but it doesn't necessarily mean you love it. So hearing that you were right. exposed to this because of your mom and then later mm-hmm. after the traveling and the living in other countries, the drive for you to learn and take it with you onward. I, I never knew we crossed mm-hmm. paths like that. Yeah. Definitely. And I mean, there's things that uh, there's things that, for example, I ate growing up that maybe I mean, I live in in the United States right now. There's I'm definitely not going to find them here. So, you know, being able to bake those things and recreate those moments is is something that as an adult, I've realized it's been a benefit of all that. So. Yeah, that nostalgic connection and mm-hmm. either a memory exactly. from a place, memory of a person. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And, you know, yeah. you and I, we crossed paths at our very first baking retreat. Numero mm-hmm. uno in San Francisco, <laughs> California, we did a bread baking retreat at the San Francisco Cooking School. And not only did I learn, A, that you love baking then, but I learned that you frequently take classes and experiences whenever you're traveling and wherever you're going. So I was so excited you joined the Bake From Scratch Mm -hmm. event. You've been a part of so many since then. But tell me about that travel adventure through learning. Uh, It's something that obviously drives the way I plan and hope we all gather in the kitchen for baking retreats. But it's something you do outside of that also. And it's such a delicious Mm -hmm. adventure to go on. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I love food and I think that's why, like a lot of people, I plan my travel around food. (laughs) Um, I'm always looking at what restaurants I want to go to and all the things to be prepared to not miss out on any food experience wherever I go. Um, usually when I go somewhere that I know, for example, France or, um, any, any place where I already know what what I'm going to find, I try to find classes. I feel like, um, as an, as a home baker or an amateur baker, um, not just classes, not just baking. I mean, I've taken also other classes for regular savory cooking, Yeah. but, um, it's, it's a, it's a good way to learn about the culture of the place, about it's just kind of getting a little bit of a um, an inside look at uh, 
at the life of someone who lives in that place, like as as a as someone who lives there rather than a tourist. Um, and I apologize. There's some noise. Give me one second. Let me turn this machine off. One second. Sorry about that. It's okay. Um, it's a ma machine that throws balls. Oh, uh, for your dog. <laughs> Her dog's name is Brioche, everyone, so you know she's a passionate baker. <laughs> um, yeah, so, you know, wherever I lived, I took cooking classes, baking classes, um, and then wherever I go, I try to do the same. Um, so if I go, if I just go somewhere for, like, pleasure, leisure, vacation, I usually concentrate more on the eating. <laughs> But that usually sparks the the interest in learning something specific or 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 wanting to go back and do it. So, for example, when I went to Greece, I came home with all these things that I wanted to bake because Greece is such a great place for um, bake bake goods in general. The same with Portugal. So it, I came home wanting to know how to do it. Um, so the next time I went to Lisbon, I actually went and bought the, like for the the custard tarts the pastéis de nata i got the little tins that they use in the bakeries there um and um i took a little like demonstration class there as well so um so yeah it's it just kind of it makes the traveling more fun because i have a, another purpose right it's like not just going with a tourist book and checking boxes of like the things that i saw but Usually it, it evolves around the food that I'm going to eat, the bakeries that I'm going to visit. Um, and if I can take a class, then even better. You know, I could not agree more with you and all that you just said. <laughs> it, <laughs> and, and truly, I love that you and I both share that passion for the experience, the traveling, the how we, it's, I take classes everywhere I go. I feel like you and I, we, we do, we, we follow so many of the same steps. But some of the mm -hmm. original ways of people learning, and still to this day is true, is with cookbooks. And you mm -hmm. have really established such a beautiful website and social media presence with your Instagram account, Chubby Kitchen. And you. you do a very, very fun thing that I love following along with. And it is one book over two months. And you choose a cookbook. And over the following two months, you you guide people through the book. And I'm going to let you tell us about that. How did it come about? How do you select the recipes? And, and just the process that makes that such a fun experience. Thank you. Yeah. So I started the one book, two month project um, four years ago. Yeah. And uh, it actually, the whole adventure kind of started before that. So I, I've always liked to bake. Um, I've had different jobs, lived in different places than I would bake. And, you know, uh, I've, I've had to work in small offices a lot. So, um, as you know, baking, a big part of baking is sharing it and it's actually part of the enjoyment of it is sharing it. So, um, I didn't, I think the reason why I got pushed into or, or or was able to get more into it is when I joined the company that I'm working for now. So I have a full-time job and I joined a team that was, it was a big team and I had finally the chance to bake things and share them with people. So um, I, 
a few times I brought cup, cupcakes or something just like small and people, everyone is always happy when you bring something to the office, right? Um, this is obviously all pre-pandemic. Um, and then I bought in, what year was it? 2015, I think it was. I bought an ice cream machine and I was really obsessed with making ice cream. And of course, uh, one recipe for ice cream gives you a quart of ice cream usually. And so I was like, no, I'm, I'm going to make an ice cream per week. And so I decided to make a different ice cream recipe per week and bring it to the office. And of course, in the hot Texas summer, <laughs> ice cream in the office is amazing. <laughs> and so that went on for the entire summer and people loved it I, I, to the point that I even bought a machine to make my own cones. And then as the cooler months started coming in, I was like, OK, well, we're we're done with ice cream. Let's go. Let's start with pies. And at that time, I hadn't really made a lot of pies. Um, I've been living in the U.S. for a while, but I hadn't made pies or even pie dough. I had never worked with any yeasted dough, for example. So there was a lot of stuff that I was interested in that I had never made. And I just thought in that moment is my opportunity to learn. And I'm just going to find recipes. And I, I decided to dedicate a month per theme. So I had one one month, it was uh, at the beginning, and I it was actually more than a month. I, I did pies for a while, and then I did cookies, and then I started the themes. And so I would have uh, one month would be berries, another month would be, um, it, it could either, either be a, a um, an ingredient or a technique. So sometimes, for example, I did one month that it was all meringue. I also did months dedicated to regions of the world. So I did one month um, to the UK. Uh, I did a couple of months for France because uh, that it was more extensive. I did, um, I think I did a Scandinavian month. So I, you know, like I just try to change it up and, and all the recipes that I found were online. At that point, I really was not using books. It was just more like, um, just looking online, looking at, started following a lot of people on Instagram and seeing recipes that they were posting and, and so on. And so I got to a point that I was like I'm running out of ideas. And I, there was the very few things that I had left were things that I didn't want to bake, like anything with pumpkin. <laughs> so people, people kept saying, when are you going to do pumpkin month? And I was like, never, ever. So I finally had gone through every possible thing that I could think of. And then I, it was around November, December. And I was like, oh, I'm just going to, I'm going to, I'm going to look at a book. And so I picked up the first one that I ever did was Sweet um, by Yotam Orlangi. And um, that one, at that point, I kind of continued with like one thing per week thing. Um, so it, it was actually like it just became kind of like the fuel of uh, an obsession that started <laughs> because um, I picked, um, you know, I did. I was like, OK, I'm to do what I have time to do. I need more than a month. So I'm going to do two months and I'm going to bake uh, at least one recipe per week because that's what I was used to bringing to the office. I sh shared with everyone in the office. But then I was, you know would get the books and start reading them and looking at the recipes. And I was like, oh my gosh, like I, it's so hard to choose, you know, cause in, in two months, you basically have to choose eight things out of the entire book. And then, and it was just really hard. And so I was like, well, maybe I can do two this week or maybe I can do. And so that evolved into 
right before the pandemic, I was bringing things to the office like four times a week, if not every day, <laughs> uh, because I just I just couldn't. It was more that it was more like I would get so excited going through the book and finding the recipes and just being challenged by what I was seeing. And I just really wanted to do it all. And I kept wishing that I could do it full time and just dedicate myself to do that. But I, I couldn't. So um, it was literally like just bake whenever I wasn't sleeping or working or or traveling, I was baking. And I had this very um, I mean, still today I have this very strict schedule for baking with my grocery list and everything that I need to do to to accomplish the recipes that I want to to make in, in the book, because there's there's always I mean, I, like I said, I wish I could do all of it, but there's always so many that excite me and and it's very difficult to get to all of them. So one thing I want to jump in on because I was planning to talk to you about this anyway because you and I have spent some time chatting about your spreadsheet where you plan mm -hmm. and you schedule and you know what your days are going to have in the kitchen. But that also brings mm -hmm. you to the ingredients and the frequency mm -hmm. of use. So of course flour, sugar, butter, we know you're going through that stuff very quickly. But there are some ingredients, like you were telling me that you don't drink milk or dairy products mm -hmm. at home. So tell everyone what you do, because this is actually such a good tip for all bakers, but you really brought it to my attention to think about in a different way. Yeah. So like I said, I, I, I live alone. I don't drink milk or there's just certain things that I don't use very regularly. So the the freezer is a baker's best friend. If you don't know that, <laughs> get acquainted with one because uh, it will save your life. So I bought a freezer, a, you know, like a stand, a, um, a tall freezer that I have in my garage. And I plan everything in advance. So the things that I can prepare in advance, buy in advance, uh, measure in advance and freeze, I do. So milk buttermilk um cream uh, uh usually i mean i always have egg whites i actually freeze egg whites in different quantities of egg whites so i'll have a little container with one egg white a container with two a couple of containers with three so when i need you you know your different recipes sometimes require for example i was making meringue and i just needed one more egg white than what i had so i could just defrost one of one egg white so it goes into that kind of like detail of obsession, but um, yeah, I, I go through the book, I color code the entire book, everything that has milk is blue. <laughs> and so I measure, I buy all the milk, I measure, I have the containers, I label them, and then I just make sure that I take it out the day before when I have to bake that recipe. So um, it, I hated wasting milk and, and not just milk, any food. I sure. hate wasting it. I hate milk going bad. Um, even though it's not necessarily like an expensive ingredient, it just kills me to throw it down the drain. So I just got tired of that happening because I was not, I don't drink it. So I was like, I, what am I going to do with all this leftover milk? If I only need to use it once this week. So be, being able to freeze it was the best way to take it advantage of the entire um, milk bottle or milk container. And from that, that kind of started me thinking about what else can I do? What else can I prepare and freeze in advance? Um, I do the same with, um, it, you know, in, in any book that I work with, when I, I look at all the 
the doughs that I can prepare in advance. So if there's a puff pastry, a pie dough, a, a tart dough, anything like that, I prepare first, like usually the first weekend or the first day that I can dedicate to make doughs. I just spend the entire day doing that. Then I uh, wrap them individually, label them and freeze them. And then they're ready to, for me for, for the next two months to to do whatever I need to do. That is amazing. And I absolutely appreciate what you said about not pouring things down the drain. I've even started just after talking with you about how you're so organized, I am going to just disclaim I am not that planned <laughs> as Laura is. Um, but I, I have started measuring out and freezing, especially buttermilk. I know how much buttermilk I use in my, mm-hmm. like my biscuits. So if I'm buying a container, I am following the Laura method and keeping that ingredient mm-hmm. on hand in the freezer. And you can continue sharing that wisdom with me over time so that I can become a little bit more organized, just like you. Um, okay, so <laughs> let's talk about the learning process. So obviously, mm-hmm. what started as a baking project to take things to the c- colleagues and to friends and family and things like that led to you pushing your learning even further because you have taken on some pretty challenging cookbook projects. And I want you to just take us through that. Like maybe, for example, what is the most challenging recipe or technique that you've come across? How often do you have failure where you have to remake something because you're learning? Or have you had cookbooks that are just disasters and you don't have to say what they are? I just want to know what your experience has been like in the learning, but also in the other side of that. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's great cookbooks and there's some others that you're really wondering why no one actually opened it before publishing it. Um, But the, the, the whole process begins with reading the book because I think a lot of people skip the, the the beginning pages of a cookbook because you go straight to the recipe but there's so much information there for an amateur baker and someone that is comparing for example for me I can talk about for hours about butter and salt and so I really want to look at what kind of salt they're using and why uh, what kind of butter they're using and why so all of that is usually explained at the beginning of, of the book and their approach to doing different things so trying the different ways or the different all the different techniques that people have for their own style is has been a really good way of learning and deciding what I like to do best for myself right so sometimes i see a book where they will talk about how they roll pastry for a tart and i'm i think well the way that i do it i think i like it better so i do it the way that i do it because I know that I've done it that other way before, and I know that's not necessarily sure. the best way. Um, but yeah, like I said, sorry, going on a tangent. Um, <laughs> going, no, I like that. I wanted to, to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but going back to the to the book, I mean, the the beginning of the book is important. The the the, the way that they describe the ingredients they use. A lot of times, they even tell you the brand or the type of um, product that they recommend. The equipment that you should have and all of that so that just kind of gives you a uh some background of on on what how the recipes are going to come next um and then in terms of you know the the recipes and the books and and how good they are i mean there's obviously some that are way more technical than others um some french pastry is obviously very technical 
Um, and I try to look always for books that have a little bit of everything uh, because I love to make bread and yeasted doughs aside from cookies and all the other things. So one of the things that is important to me is that there's a different uh, array of recipes that is not just usually like just a cake book or just a cookie book. Um, I've done those sometimes over an, over a year, but for the two month thing, I want to be able to have some variety and change it up a bit. So um, uh, that's what I look for in the books. And then, um, yeah, failures. There's always failures uh, because whether it is because the recipe is bad or because of, of course, human error. Sometimes you just make a mistake or, um, you know, I was just thinking yesterday because I was making uh, Italian meringue. I was just thinking the first time that I made Italian meringue, I just had like a web of hardened sugar <laughs> around my whisk um, when I was making it. So uh, and now I can kind of do it you know, very easily. So that took practice. So um, it, it's, I, I actually, I mean, as frustrating as the failures are, they, they're basically what help you learn and what help you remember why you, you know, why, why you're doing something or how you're doing something that's, is, it comes from that. Not everything has to work perfectly well the first time. Um, and so that helps you learn and it helps you remember and actually, there was there is one specific book that was I'm not going to say the name, but it, there, it was very challenging because it was it had a lot of mistakes. And I actually I didn't even realize that that was going on until I had already done all of my schedule, all of my planning. <laughs> I bought the book. I was so excited. The recipes looked amazing. I did all, all of my grocery lists, all of my spreadsheet. And then. I get to the first recipe and I was like, something is wrong here. And then I go online and it had horrible reviews and people were just like, just complaining about how many mistakes. And I was like, okay, I'm not changing the book. It's too late. I, I really, I'm, I'm going for it. And so it ended up being a really amazing learning experience for me because I was able to like kind of look at the recipe and, try to see, okay, is this going to work? Is it not going to work? And a lot of the times it was like on the fly trying to fix it. Like I did not know that was going to happen. Um, as I kept going on working on that book, it, it became easier to kind of plan or prepare for potential mistakes. But um, I think I, I at the end, I ended up getting like really, really nice bakes. But um, more, a lot of it came for, um, my own initiative or my own instinct of how to fix something that was wrong. Um, and so I kind of wanted to write a letter to them and tell them this, this is, this is all the corrections for all of your recipes, <laughs> but I didn't. <laughs> well, I, I, I love hearing though, that even while encountering something like that, your baking knowledge over all of these years and experiences mm -hmm. led you to A, realizing something was wrong, B, knowing how to navigate it, and then having yeah. beautiful results in the end. And that shouldn't be someone's experience with a cookbook. I do want to say that, but I love that mm -hmm. your, your journey through this and your knowledge that you've built, and you are such a talented baker that 
it doesn't surprise me that you're able to navigate those things and really see the outcome still still be beautiful in the end. And I always remind bakers, and I love that you referenced this also, that I think of it in two different analogies. The first is children that go to school. You don't go into first grade and two weeks later graduate after high school. You have 12 years Mm -hmm. in front of you of learning. And then by the time you leave, you've learned a lot and you know a lot and it comes instinctually. Same thing with baking. Mm -hmm. The second thing is driving. If you drive somewhere for the very first time and you're following the map and you make a few wrong turns, once you go there a few times, you can do it in your sleep. And I think of baking in the exact same way where the first time making something or the first time working with someone's recipe you might feel stressed. You might have some mistakes along the way. But if you go back and do it again, or you master the technique, like you said about the Italian meringue, then you start to learn and build confidence. And then you take on projects that they don't feel difficult. They just feel interesting. And Mm -hmm. you've kind of been leading by that example and giving us examples of that, just even in the conversation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the... I, I do have to say we're, we are lucky we live in a time where we also a lot also have a lot of uh, information available because I sometimes and if something is not working, I'm like, OK, YouTube, show me how you do it. Right, right. <laughs> and, you know, so um, if you don't have that, you can ask some people that maybe know. But nowadays, there's some things that I'm, I have been able to figure out thanks to. Uh, articles that I have found or videos that I have found. So the troubleshooting is is a lot uh, easier these days than I think it would be without that type sure. of resource. Yeah. Um, but and yeah, do I you, mean, it's, like you say, it's part of it's part of it. Do you ever select a cookbook that doesn't include the gram weights for ingredients? <laughs> so. I've I've gotten used to weighing everything in grams. Yeah. Um, even weighing in in ounces is a little bit weird to me now. But sometimes, uh, you know, that they give it to you in in, in grams. I I also not struggle, but I, I get a little bit annoyed when I get liquids, um, not in not in the in their weight, but in their volume. More than anything, because I have to wash more dishes <laughs> 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 because. That's one thing that I try to convince everyone that I that I talk about baking or that I sometimes I taught classes or whatever. And I'm like, just weigh everything. It's faster. It's easier. And you have to wash a lot less dishes. That's so, right. Um, I find myself a lot of times converting. Yeah. Um, if I have a recipe that is like in cups or in ounces, I just convert it to grams. Um, or I take notes as I'm doing it so that I have it in in my notes for the future to uh, the measurements that I need in grams. So um, I, I think that and I and I love that you guys in the magazine, it, it comes the way I like it <laughs> because I think that's a really good way of um, teaching people. Some people are just, is really like, you know, they have never done it or they never saw their, sure. their mother cook that way. Right. Um, and just introducing them to that concept of weighing everything and it's it's just amazing and i think that i've seen people change the way i mean we've seen people from the baking retreats for instance that have learned how to weigh during the baking retreats and yeah. classes and things like that and so i think that's that just makes us better bakers 
regardless because baking is a little bit of chemistry and having the right amounts of ingredients is important not for everything but for a lot of things and so the best way to achieve those things is by measuring and if you're really interested in more technical things like french pastry measuring is just like you have to accept it <laughs> it's just part of it well and i find nine times out of ten if someone will weigh their ingredients they are already way beyond where they were before and the results are mm -hmm. fabulous and i've had people tell me yes. brian i wish i'd been weighing ingredients all these years because mm -hmm. every time i would make a, a cake or a cookie the results were different. And it's because of the inconsistencies in the way the, the exactly. measuring goes. Yeah. And in the magazine, mm -hmm. we give the cups and the, you know, we give that for the audience of people that still, yeah, you know, course. bake that way. But we always mm -hmm. include the weight because that's what I think mm -hmm. of as the international language of baking. Most yeah. people learn by baking with weight. But even if you didn't learn, getting a kitchen scale is very easy. They're very accessible. They're very affordable, but the results change in the kitchen. And I'm, I do what you do also. I convert recipes into the weight if they aren't already in that format. Okay. So now tell us what cookbook you're working on currently. And maybe, maybe, maybe you'll be willing to tell us what's up next. So right now I'm working through Bake It Better by Matt Adlard. Um, I think that's how you pronounce his last name. I think um, so too. Yeah. So, I mean, he, he's amazing because he, he's a, he started as a home baker. He does come from a culinary family. Um, so he, he has a little bit of advantage there, but he wasn't, uh, he didn't go to um, culinary school or baking or uh, professionally baking school. He basically just started baking at home and he took his, baking to like another level to a very professional level um and it's in interesting because you know i've been following him on instagram for several years he started out the with topless baker kind of, <laughs> yes the topless baker so that it was more like a fun you know type of like adventure but that turned into yeah. something more serious and more you know really really Got in, he really got into very technical things. I mean, he he has a, a 3D printing machine that I, he makes templates with. Yes. <laughs> he, he has a, a lamination machine. Um, you know, the, it, it re he really took it way further. And usually the books written by authors that are homebakers turned into what or the way that I call them is professional homebakers because Home baking is very different from bakery baking, right? From commercial baking. Um, commercial baking, you have commercial kitchens that you have different materials, different um, tools, even sometimes different ingredients that you have access to for right. from working in a bakery. Um, but as a home baker, you you have some limitations, sometimes some advantages, but you have more limitations in terms of the equipment that you have, the 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 ingredients you have access to. So I call I call those people professional home bakers, and Matt was is is one of them. Um, and so he his book it, I always know that books from people like him are going to be very very well tested because he has gone through what you know as home bakers go through, which is mm, bad recipes sometimes sure. or not tested recipes. So 
Um, his, it, I mean, his book is proving it right, that very well tested. His book is actually really interesting because it it's kind of like, um, it gives you a foundation for developing your own recipes, which I, which I love, um, which is something that I, I, I haven't done a lot of, and I've, I've been thinking about, but, you know, he gives you kind of like the, your basic recipes. And then you, from that point forward can put in your own, you know, change flavors, change decoration, change this or that, but the, the, the basic recipes are fabulous. And so, um, that's what I'm going through right now. Cause I love one of the things that I love about working on the different books is trying different recipes and comparing different recipes. I mean, how many different ways can you make a chocolate chip cookie? Well, a million, how many different ways can you make a pie dough? A million different ways. Right. And there, there's this little detail in one or another that is going to make a difference and might change the, the way that you bake that entirely. So, um, his book is, is fantastic. I, you know, I can't say that about every book. I usually enjoy all of them, but this is one that for sure I would recommend for someone that is interested in learning. Um, he's really good at explaining techniques and, and all those things that are not necessarily in books when they are from uh, pastry chefs or from bakeries they don't necessarily disclaim all of the different steps like you guys do in the in the magazine um it's the same way right you're writing for you, you know you're at your audience you know who is going to be reading that is not someone who may know you know uh, how to do things the perfect way so going the extra mile and explaining those things is what uh, what helps the the audience to learn um, and Matt's book and your magazine, and there's some other books of people that have been in the same path, um, that they, they work like that. Well, I, I agree. I love the opportunity to teach. And I think, you know, following Matt's journey and dare I say, I think you're on a very similar journey yourself <laughs> because he did start, uh, just home baking and mm -hmm. very, very cheeky with the topless uh, <laughs> baking platform. But then I'll never forget when he changed the name of his account from the topless baker to just Matt Adlard. I felt mm -hmm. like he also recognized that he had grown into a, a point where the platform was turning into, like you said, professional home baking. And what he's done has been phenomenal. And following you as you do this is also phenomenal. Um, so I think you're in those same uh, footsteps with your baking as well. Can you tell us what the next book is on your lineup? I have a few and I've been struggling to decide because Ooh, I'll help you. <laughs> I, <laughs> so we're, we're going to Mexico in April. Yes, we are. Right. So um, we're going to be baking in Mexico. And so the next one would be March and April. And I was like, do I do like I was just trying to decide what to do if I should do something you know I have a book um called I think it's called Sweet Mexico that someone gave me um and I thought about maybe doing that but if not I mean I just the one thing I love French pastry and I have a lot of books in French um because I, I my mom lives in Spain whenever a bakery uh, you know as you know there's amazing bakeries in 
in Paris and all over France. And whenever they publish a book, I buy it. And so um, I speak French, not perfectly, but I've taken classes in French. I can bake in French. <laughs> like I say, I bake in French. <laughs> um, the problem with those books is that my audience doesn't necessarily speak French. So it can be kind of frustrating for them to not have access to a book that's sure. not translated. Um, so sometimes I hesitate, but I have a shelf of books in French that I'm dying to work on um, from a lot of bakeries and pastry chefs from, from France. So it may be one of those. Another one that I have my eyes on is um, Aaron McDowell's Savory Baking book. It's a good um, one. I, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> um, it's just just to change it up a bit. She also has a few uh, sweet recipes in the book, but there's a lot of really interesting stuff there. Um, and then I love my favorite thing to bake is croissants and tarts. And there's a book called Loon from a croissant shop in Australia that I was able to go a few years ago that I visited Australia. And it is actually one of the best croissants that I've ever had in my life. And so that book is also, it would be mostly croissants, which I normally don't do. And like I said, I rather do different things um, or different, a variety of baking in the two months. But this uh, all entire croissant book is just like screaming at me on my shelf. So at some point, I need to either do the two months for that or I might dedicate an entire year to go through the book like I've done for those types of books before. Oh, I love it. Well, either way, you're going to have us following along because since you didn't <laughs> tell us, we're just going to have to stay tuned in <laughs> to your social media to see what you, what you choose <laughs> next. Um, Laura Cortez, yeah. thank you, thank you, thank you for being a guest on The Crom. Thank you for being a wonderful baking friend. We've been through a lot together over the years and yes. I cherish our friendship. I love when we get to travel and bake together and I'll see you in yeah. a few weeks in San Miguel de Allende. Yes. So excited. Thank you for everything, Brian, for your support. And um, yeah, you're, you started this baking family that we have and it's one of one of my favorite things in my life today. That our baking friends, our baking trips is, is something I cherish and so important in my life. You you have no idea. I think for a lot of us that go on these trips and have built these really special friendships over the years, um, it has been life changing. So thank you for that. Well, thank <laughs> you. It has been for me too, and I look forward to more in the future. Thanks for being a guest on the Crom, and we'll talk to you next time. Of course. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Are you clicking on the cookbook links yet? I'm sure you will after you check out more of Laura's beautiful baking at Chubby Kitchen on Instagram and on her website where she has a complete list of every book she's been through and you can go backtrack and keep up with that amazing journey. I'm so grateful she was on the episode, but I'm also so grateful for you listening to The Crumb and I hope more episodes as you Prepare for your delicious baking journey with us. I can't wait to see what you bake next and tag us on social media when you do. Maybe your next cookbook project should be the Bake From Scratch Cookbook, Volume 8, brand new and hitting the shelves now. So maybe that's your first cookbook project if you're following in the footsteps of Laura. That's all for today's episode, everybody. You need to preheat your ovens. It is definitely time to bake. 
If you liked our podcast, please rate, subscribe, and tell a friend about us. And to keep up with my baking endeavors, follow me on Instagram at Brian Hart Hoffman. You can also follow Bake From Scratch at The Bake Feed. And for online recipes and fresh baking content, be sure to visit our website, bakefromscratch.com. We even have a newsletter called Preheat to get you ready for all the baking that lies ahead. Finally, for real-life baking inspiration, grab a copy of the magazine on newsstands or sign up for a subscription and we'll mail the magazine to you with each and every new issue.